it's always an honor to stand in the pulpit, in this pulpit, and deliver um, God's word. There are places that you, you know, feel comfortable and you feel home, like home, right? And um, this is my home, right? And um, I feel best always when I'm standing here and and always honored and always privileged to be able to deliver the word. So so thank you for being here, and thank you, Pastor, for um, allowing me to have the opportunity. As we get into the word this morning, I do want to mention that uh, Becca, uh, one of our worship leaders, she actually sparked this sermon a couple of months ago. She mentioned briefly the text that we're going to be reading from caused me to to want to go back and reread the story and in turn uh, resulted in the sermon for today. Um, it's always amazing to me how God can use different people in different um, circumstances and different situations um, to bring us a word that we need for the time that we need it. Let's get into the word. So 2 Samuel 11, uh, 1 through 5, it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Say, David remained. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elimond, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Then she went back home. And the woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I'm pregnant. So before we get into this particular story and talk about this exactly, this story exactly, um, what I want to do is just give you a little bit of background, right? So I'm going to do just a little bit of teaching for just a second. So you may recognize the name of David from our text. So David is one of the most recognized names in the Bible for various reasons. So David was the youngest of eight sons of Jesse, and David spent most of his childhood um, tending to the flock. And you may remember that David trusted God to defeat Goliath, okay, with just one stone. So if you don't know a whole lot of stories or anything about the Bible, you probably know the story of David and Goliath. And so he used a stone and, um, and killed the giant Goliath, right? And so then he has to flee from King Saul who wants to kill him. And then David survives and he becomes king of all of Israel. And he conquers Jerusalem as well as enemies. And he builds an empire as king. All right. So I want you to know that David has many accolades, right? So he has a rap sheet of things, of, of goals and accomplishments that have happened. He has built an empire. And so he has all these things that, that God has brought him through and, and God has done for him. And um, all these people look up to him. He is a king. He is uh, fiercely respected right and so but more importantly most importantly than any of those things in first samuel 13 14 it says david is described as a man after his own heart speaking of god and in acts 13 22 
He says, and he raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do my will. And so you can say all those things about David, all the accomplishments and all the things that he's done. But most importantly, what you remember about David is that he was a man after God's heart, right? He was a man of God. So David knew God and he was faithful to him and he had been since he was a young man. And so yet here we see in the reign of his king era, right, that he experiences a great fall. And just like the pure physics of things, the higher the object, many times, the farther the fall. And so he had all these accomplishments and all the things, yet it says that he experiences a fall. And so if we go back to verse 11, the word states in the springtime when kings go to war, because that's when they go to wars in the spring, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. So say with me, he remained in Jerusalem when he was supposed to be going off to war, when he should have been doing a great work, he shirked his responsibility and he decided to stay back, right? So he abandoned his purpose and he decided to do his own thing. Now I'm sure that I'm probably the only one in this room who has ever shirked a responsibility or given somebody else a job that they were supposed to do. So I'm sure no one else has done that, right? But that's what David does here. Instead of going and doing what he's supposed to do and embracing the calling, he takes a break from his responsibility. He takes a break. Now, I'm telling you, I'm all about a good break, okay? You, if you know me and you know anything about my, myself and my family, you know, I like to vacation. I'm a vacation girl. So um, Aaron Beth and I just went on vacation a few weeks ago, just the two of us, and I'm telling you, you that time is irreplaceable, okay? I love a good break, but, so, but at some point, you have, to, you have to get back to work. You have to get back to your responsibility. You have to pursue what God has put you in to pursue, right? And so what happens here is that rather than, than getting back to it, he's, been, um, he's had all winter to take a break, and so now instead of uh, continuing on, uh, the battle is on, the game is afoot, he sends someone else and he stays home. Say he stays home. Now, I'm not sure why he decides to stay back, but he does. And, and he doesn't pursue what he's supposed to do. And many times, idleness will lead to trouble, right? And so he didn't have anything to do. He was bored. He was supposed to be gone. And so now, all of a sudden, he's got some time on his hands. And we know that many times, um, idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? So being unproductive can lead to some problems. So while he's at home, not at battle like he should be, and he's taking a break from his responsibilities after he's already had a break, something happens. The word says that he got up from his bed and he walked around the roof of the palace. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But then from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Uh-oh. And then the woman was beautiful. Uh-oh, twice, right? And so it said David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said she's Bathsheba, daughter of Eliman and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And so he sent for her. And she came to him and he slept with her. 
and then she ends up pregnant. So we look at this and we say, now, now you've got a, a, a young man who said, I'm going to go fight this giant that no one else has been able to defeat, right? I mean, no one else has been able to defeat him. He wasn't even in the running. And they said for me, he said, here I am. I will do it. I will fight this giant. And you've got a man who has followed after God. And here we are. And we're like, man, this is, this is God's guy, right? David is God's dude, right? They're like, they're like hand in hand. And then you see him and he's going against the will of God. So many times we see other folks and, and people in the Bible and like, what are, what are they doing? Right? What are they doing? But at the end of the day, he, he, was, he made a choice, right? And so if you're not familiar, um, you know, with the story, go and read it. But I'm telling you, there's some chaos that breaks out, okay? I don't have time to go into it, but all sorts of chaos. And it's a crazy story. But basically, like all sin and lies, one thing leads to another. So he has to lie to cover up that he slept with Bathsheba. And then he ends up having to kill her husband to cover it up. I mean, it's just one thing after another. But at the end of the day, it comes down to David chose what he wanted to do instead of what God had told him to do, right? And so, so many times, you know, we want to go to God and this is not a shouting message. And I, I didn't really want to preach the message. I like preaching preach feel good stuff. But when God lays something on your heart, but so many times, you know, we want to we want to get mad at God and we want to ask questions to God, like, why are you doing this? And I'm sure at some point, maybe he knew he was doing wrong because he kept covering up. You don't cover stuff up unless you know it's not right. And so he knew he was doing wrong. And I mean, I don't know, you know, at some point he may have even asked God, like, why is all this going on? Because it was pure chaos. And that's what we do. We ask God, why is this happening? What, what are you doing, God? You know, but sometimes it's our own fault, right? It was David's fault. He made this choice and he had some consequences to face. And so we look at him and we think, man, this was, this was God's man. How could he do this? But he got caught in sin, and he wasn't pursuing what God needed him to pursue. So maybe he had become disconnected. Maybe he had lost a sense of purpose, you know, because our hearts, they need purpose. Our hearts need a purpose. They need a goal. We go in houses all the time in all conditions and different things and take a look. And sometimes Ronnie's so busy, I'll go on an appointment for him. And I'm telling you, you can tell the properties when you walk into them. You can tell it most of the time from the outside of the property. The properties that have been lived in and taken care of. And then the properties that have been vacant and no one has done anything in there for years. And so, so many times, that's the way it is with our hearts. Our hearts need tending to, right? And so, if we don't tend to our hearts, they become um, hard and they become something that they weren't meant to be. A home is meant to be lived in, right, and taken care of, and it's meant to be a shelter. It's meant to be a safe place. Our hearts are meant to be of God and to love people. And when they're not tended to, that's what happens. Uh, uh, something can creep in, right? Stuff creeps in. So we know that um, good relationships also require communication, right? So maybe he wasn't connected with God. Maybe he wasn't engaged with God. I don't know, but there's a difference between being present and being engaged. 
So I have been in numerous waiting rooms throughout my life for my own health and my family's health and different things. And I'm telling you, you can be in a room full of people and you can be present with them for hours and not know one single thing about them when you walk out of that room. We were in a conference yesterday. There was probably about 50 of us in there. And I know a couple of things about the folks that shared a little bit. But other than that, we were in that room from 9 to 2. When I walked out of that door, we were all present, but I didn't know anything anymore about any of those other folks we were all present but see when you're engaged in something when you're engaged in something then that's when you you have communication when you're engaged in something then you get to know a little something about the person right there's some intimacy there so maybe he was present with God but he wasn't being engaged with God I don't know I don't know why he decided um, to, to go against God's will but in the word even says in 2 Samuel eleven twenty six through 27, it says, When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, because he had him killed, she mourned for him. And after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So God was unhappy with David. And he was probably disappointed. And I'm telling you what, if you've ever, if you got kids and they've ever done anything, man, your, your kids can hurt your heart when they disappoint you, right? Man, they can hurt your heart like no other. So he was probably a little disappointed. And so here we are, a David is a man after God's heart who has all these accomplishments. And he is a king standing on a mountaintop and he falls and it displeases God. So now what? Because you're probably thinking, okay, okay, Kelly, thank you for that wonderful message this morning, right? That a man who loved God, who, who, who God loved, has fallen. And, and when probably one of the most beloved people in the, in the Bible has now fallen and messed up, right? But let's see what happens, right? Because the story doesn't end there, right? That's not the end to the story. That, that there's, a, there's a continuation, right? Because God sent someone to David named Nathan. So he sends him somebody. So Nathan goes to him, and Nathan shares a, a parable with him and shared what God had spoken to him, basically saying that, you know, God gave you everything at your fingertips, and this is what you do. You go and you uh, sleep with someone else's wife, and then you kill her husband. And I'm sure that this is not what was on top of Nathan's list of things that he wanted to do. He had to go to the king and tell him, hey, you're a liar, you're a murderer, and God's not happy with you, right? And so I'm sure that that was not what was on his list of, oh, I love doing these things, right? And so he, uh, but he had to go to him. And I'm telling you, you need a Nathan in your life. So I, if you don't have a Nathan in your life, I just, I, I pray you get one or pray somebody comes along because sometimes it's hard but you need somebody in your life to tell you a hard truth to tell you the truth when sometimes it's ugly you need somebody in your life to help you be your better self when everybody else is looking away and doesn't want to say anything and so Nathan comes and I'm sure he was a little apprehensive but you know he came to him and he spoke the truth and I said earlier you know there's there's times and my, my women in here might understand it a little bit better there's times in your life where you're wearing you got a new outfit on and you're looking good and or you think you look good and whatnot and you want somebody to tell you how it looks 
And so you've got the people that you know you can go to if you want them to say you look good, right? So if you want somebody to say you look good, go to your husband, go to your boyfriend, whoever. Because if they're trained, and I'm telling you, it's one of the things, first thing you need to do is train them. So if they're trained, right, they're going to say you look good, okay? It don't matter if I got some my st- hair sticking out here. Sometimes I'll just test that, you know. What do you, we think about my hair, babe. I mean, it's like I, I just got up. He's like, oh, well, babe, whatever you, know, whatever you want to do, that's, yeah, that's different. That's good honey that's good you know so he's trained it's been 25 years he's trained so <laughs> but you've got those people but then you've got people that you really want to know the truth right you really want to know the truth like is it okay is it appropriate you know that sort of thing and so that's 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 Aaron Beth right and so Aaron Beth will tell you the cold hard truth about whatever you want to hear so just after service if you want to know anything she will tell you the truth about it whether it's ugly or not okay so I'm telling you I mean I had this note, these in my notes even before, but when I went and put on my mic this morning, I had to like, you you flip your hair and all this, so my hair, I felt like my hair was kind of a mess, and so she was up here on the worship, and I come up here and I said, hey, I need you to look at the back of my hair, like has the mic messed my hair up, and so she started pulling some hair out, you know, and she said, oh no, uh, she said, no, it, it, it's fine, you know, it's fine, and I said, okay, and I turned and she was, oh, the back is fine, but the front is a hot mess. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Love you, darling, right? And so she will tell you the cold hard truth. So I'll be in the, the fitting room. And so I know if I am on the edge of an outfit and want to know if I like it or not, I'm going to text Aaron Beth and she's going to say the truth. Now, if I like an outfit and I just want somebody to confirm that it looks good, whether it does or not, I'm going to text Grace because she's sweet, right? She said, oh, yeah, mama, that looks good. I mean, it can, it look horrible. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, mom, that's good. Uh-huh, get that. You know, whereas Aaron Beth says, take it off, take it off now. Take it off right now. <laughs> so, so we need people in our lives that are going to give you the truth, that are going to hold you accountable, who are going to make you stand up for what you should be standing up for, right? Who are going to hold you accountable and tell you the things that sometimes nobody else wants to say. And so Nathan confronts him. David admits his sin. And the depth of his request for forgiveness is found in Psalm 51, 1 through 2. And it's one of the most beautiful psalms. So be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion, completely washed away my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. But this is a raw prayer. He says, God, I need your grace. I need it. And I know your love is faithful. He knew it because they had a relationship. He said, I know your love is faithful. And then, God, I'm asking you to wash away my guilt. And I love that. Because see, what God does is he forgives and he washes it away. But he said, wash away my guilt. Because when God forgives it and he moves past it, we hold on to it. We hold on to it. We start to let it define us, who we are. We let, we let our mistakes define who we are and how we can move forward. And so he says, wash it away, wash it away. We, are, we give ourselves constant reminders that we are imperfect and that we, what we've done is wrong. And this is when we should run straight to God and not away. 
And we and, and kids learn this from the youngest of ages, right? I mean, this dates all the way back, obviously, from Adam and Eve when they hid, you know, when they knew they had sinned. But the youngest of ages, I mean, a toddler, man, I mean, you know, the, the kids, Micah and Mariana, they get out of the car, you know, and they run in the house and they see us and it's, it's arms open, you know. I mean, they're like, ah, you know, they, they're running to us. But man, when they do something wrong, what do they do? <laughs> I'm going to go over here, hide behind the chair. That's the first thing they do is hide when they know they've done something wrong. And David was hiding. He was hiding behind the sin and the shame and everything else, right? And then he was hiding behind trying to cover it up and, and everything, right? And many times when we hide, we, we make the situation worse than it would have been, right? If we had just been, just ran to the Father, Okay. My mom had this um, cherry living room furniture, okay? So the living room back in the day, you, pro- you may remember, you had a, well, you had like a den and a living room, and one of them you didn't go into. It was just for looks, okay? You had your pretty furniture in there. You know, you didn't go in there, right? And so my mom had the, the living room, right? It was like you first walk in, beautiful cherry furniture. It was the first, um, like, you know, set she'd ever had, right? I know the day that got delivered, it was a so in tables, sofa table, coffee table, okay? Cherry, shiny, solid cherry furniture. She loved it. She was so happy about it. I'm talking about this woman, anything that went on it. So the lamps that went on it and the figurines and whatever, she covered the bottom of it with felt, okay? That way when it set on there, if it even moved, it wasn't scratching that furniture. Okay, she, you know, so, and we weren't allowed in that room. You know, we just walked, th- you're just allowed to walk through it. You know, you don't get to hang out in there, right? And so we just walked through the room and admire the beauty and then just head on. So, but you weren't allowed in there. Well, I mean, one day, you know, I mean, Robbie and I were playing football in there. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, that happened. So we were playing football in there. So I, one of us threw the ball, one of us didn't catch it, hit a figurine, knocks it over, you know, the felt didn't do any good. <laughs> so, <laughs> knocks it over, slides it all the way across, and puts a scratch about that long on this beautiful furniture. I mean, you know, sh- man. So we're like, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, what's the best thing to do? Hide it. <laughs> right? So hide it. So we glued the arm on. You know, I'm pretty sure the arm was supposed to go like this, and it was like this. You know, we glued the arm the best we could, and then we put the thing over the scratch so you couldn't see it. My mom was a, a cleaner. She my we, she kept a clean house, so we knew it was going to come time where she was going to see it, right, because she was going to dust the furniture and see it. But we were just kind of buying some time. So anyway, whatever time goes by, and we knew it was cleaning day. We knew she was going to see it. Robbie and I were hiding in our rooms because we knew we knew like she was gonna she that she was gonna know that we did it you know and so sure enough Robbie Kelly get in here we're like oh man here it goes and I was gonna have to take the fall because you know I was the youngest one and you know I did whatever Robbie said to do and that's what he said so so (laughs) he said she won't she won't be as mad at you you know so anyway so we go in there long story but at the end of the day what happened is she said I don't understand why you didn't just come to me and tell me that you made a mistake. And I'm like, well, crud, you know. (laughs) And that's what the Heavenly Father does. He's like, I need you to run to me. Don't run away from me. Run to me. And I'm going to show you goodness and grace and mercy. 
just like my mama did, just like my mama did, right? So we hid our faces, and we finally came clean, and she was disappointed, but she was more upset that we just didn't come to her. God just wants us to come, to come to him, right? And I just want to say, just for the record, since we're talking about this story, that by the time that the grandkids came along, they were allowed to color on that furniture, okay? (laughs) Aaron Beth spilled a bottle of nail polish remover on it. I mean, discolored the whole thing. And mom would say, oh, well, you know that baby didn't mean to do that. She can paint her nails there if she wants to. What? No! (laughs) You had felt on this furniture. It felt. And And the babies could color, could color their pictures, right? So things change over time, right? But after all that, God forgives David. He comes to him with an earnest heart, and he asks for forgiveness Now, David suffers some great consequences. I mean, there are some things. It was just one thing after another after that because that's what happens when we let sin in. you got to face the consequences. But at the end of the day, he was forgiven. And the word says when David recognized he had sinned and he responds to Nathan, who was the friend who called him out because God told him to, I've sinned against the Lord, Nathan tells him. And Nathan tells him, and the Lord has taken away your sin. He says, You'll ta- he's taken it away. So even though his actions won't go unpunished, he is forgiven. And after his confession, David went through a period of repentance, because that's what happens. But things started to look up, right? He went back to the front lines of the army. He started. He stopped collecting the wives, and there wasn't a whole lot of chaos or drama that was was reported after that happened but what did happen was that there was plenty of psalms that showed growing of a new spirit psalm 107 1 and 2 says give thanks to the lord for he is good his love endures forever let the redeemed of the lord tell their story Tell their story. I was was high. I was up on that mountaintop and I fell. But man, God's goodness endures and his love endures. And tell your redeemed story. So many times we want to be put on this pedestal or we don't want to tell folks what we've gone through. And I'm not saying you have to get up in front of a stadium and tell them every sin, every imperfection of your life. But people need to know your testimony. People need to know about God's grace and that sometimes we fall, right? And God forgives us, right? And so if you look at any commentary or if you google anything about David and Bathsheba you will see even in my bible it's titled that little section it says the fall of David the fall of David David falls David displeases God I mean if you look up any of it but you know what what I really want to do is I just want to rename all of that because that doesn't tell the whole story yes David fell but I'm telling you David was God's guy right he knew that David was going to fall 
Paul and he still had an appointed purpose for him. He knew that that was going to happen, but he still said, you're going to defeat Goliath, right? And so even though he knows that we are imperfect and we're going to make mistakes and there's going to be a fall, we still have a purpose for him, right? And he forgives us and he loves us. So many times we don't want to say that. So I want the new commentary to say, fallen to forgiven. Fallen to forgiven. Because yes, we've all fallen, but yes, we are forgiven in God's eyes. So just another example of even on the mountain at the best of times that we can be tempted and fall into sin and consequences. But none of us are exempt from mistakes. But God's grace and mercy, he covers us. He covers us. And sometimes we've all dealt with the wrath of sin, sometimes because of our own and sometimes because of others, right? And it's not good enough to just start with it and not end with it. See, he, David uh, defeated Goliath as a young man. This is many years later. He still had to pursue God, right? Still had to pursue God. And God doesn't cover up the sins of our faith heroes. And the faith heroes aren't heroes because they didn't sin. It's because they didn't let their sin define them. So I'm going to say it again. God didn't cover up the sins of our faith heroes. And our faith heroes aren't heroes because they didn't sin. They did. We're all imperfect. But they didn't let their sin define who they were in God. They ran to him and they trusted him. So maybe you're in this place today and you say, you know, I have fallen and I need forgiveness. Or maybe you're in this place today and you say, you know what, I have not fallen, but man, I am really tempted to. I'm feeling disengaged. I'm feeling disconnected. I'm feeling like I need God to step in or there's going to be a fall. Or maybe you're in this place today and you don't even know God. You don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior and you want to because you want that love. You want somebody to love you unconditionally, right? And whatever it is, whatever it is, we invite you to an altar of prayer so we can pray with you, pray for you. No judgment, no questions, just prayer because we've all been there. If you don't know God and you, and you want to, we'll rejoice with you. If there's been a fall, we'll pray with you too.